All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. Thank you for joining us. Tim Wurzberger is here as usual. Tim, how are you doing? John, thanks for having me back once again. Ah, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. You just you bring so much to the show. It really, really brightens my day. It really does. Yeah, you should have seen the way your face lit up when I noticed your haircut. You look really nice. No one notices my haircut. Like I, I have long hair. I cut it like three times a year. And I walk into my house and it's just like I'm a ghost. You know what I mean? No one knows. <laughs> That's not me. true. Your girls run to you like you're saying. No, they do, but they don't notice me unless I like if it was a bad haircut, then they would notice me. So that's how I know it's a decent <laughs> haircut. It's funny. You noticed it. And then the guy, a guy I work with here at my engineering firm noticed it. My wife just could care less. She's like, all right. She, she check- didn't say anything. No, not a thing. Not a thing. You're my wife, Tim. You're my pseudo wife. But anyways, the NHL, it started. The games are live. Everybody, the, the first two games happened a couple of days ago. Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay, Vegas, Seattle, a big opening. ESPN did all of their teasers. They had Justin Bieber doing some monologue, talking about the how the whole NHL theme song came into play. And they had the big composer and this whole dramatic thing. What, what do you think of the NHL getting Justin Bieber involved in this? Do you just think it's... I don't know. What do you, what do you, what are your thoughts on that whole side of it? I actually like that um, because it's like, I don't know. I'm not really hip with like the young influencer thing, but he's not that like he, I think he supersedes that. I think he's a serious hockey fan. He's not just a guy that they're buying to bring in the clicks. Like there was, I saw a clip uh, or like a, 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 an excerpt from a news article where when him and Matthews were st- first starting being buddies, he would text Matthews being like, guys, we need like a gritty defenseman. We need like a Brian McCabe type. And Matthews like, he's just like every other fan. Like we need this. We need that. It's like talking to someone on the street. So he's a diehard Toronto fan, diehard hockey fan. So I'm okay with it. And certainly he's going to put butts in the seats when it comes to the platform that he has. So yeah, I'm all about it. All right. I'm just, I'm just interested to hear your uh, perspective on it. As a millennial. I don't care. He's doing a voiceover. It doesn't really bother me at all. You know, well, it's it is not the it voiceover. Is. He's a brand ambassador now. They hired him. He's going to be Who doing did? more stuff like this. The NHL. So he's the Drake now of the NHL. Is this a guy you want to tie your image to, Justin Bieber? I guess. Whatever. I don't care. 
my phone's uh, it's still there. Give me a buzz, NHL. I'm better than Justin Stupid Bieber. Name one Justin <laughs> Bieber song, Tim. Baby. That's the only one I know. Wow, that's pathetic. All right. So it was opening night. There was a couple games. One surprise, I think. Pittsburgh looked really, really good. You know, maybe Tampa Bay is slow out of the gate. Pittsburgh, missing its top two forwards, still came out and dominated, I would say, the majority of that game. Top three forwards? Gensel didn't play either. Oh, that's right. Jake wasn't there, too. Why was he out? Uh, non-COVID related illness, I think it was. Oh, it's funny. They got to just clarify that. So he's just got the sniffles. He's got a little floozy. So he was out. The top three guys out, and they still take it to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay did not look interested whatsoever. They were just out to lunch. Do you think it gets a little old now that you've won two Stanley Cups in a row and you're presumably going to make the playoffs? You just make it to the playoffs. You're like the Bulls. You're like the Oilers. You're you're in the middle of your dynasty, your runs. You're just trying to get... the Patriots, correct? You're just trying to get to the playoffs, right? Do you think that's what's happening with Tampa Bay? They're not really in, you know, regular season mode yet. They're still just recovering from their last two cups. You know, they had the banner raised. They, I don't think they had it last year with fans. It was a big deal. A lot of energy went into the pregame, you know, ceremonies and stuff. I've been a part of a banner raising. Not that I won the cup, but I have been because I, I was in Chicago when they raised the banner. They brought the cup out. There's a lot of hoopla. There's a lot of standing around. There's a lot of waiting. So it does wear on you as a player. You're sitting there. You're sitting there. You're standing around. It takes five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. They carry the cup out. They're raising the banner. Next thing you know, you've been standing on the ice for 25, 30 minutes, and the other team has been in the locker room, not even dressed. So there is a, a very big disadvantage to that opening night kind of hoopla surrounding the cup from the previous year. So I can understand why Tampa Bay weren't that engaged and Pittsburgh took advantage of it. Like, I don't, did you see any of the game? They really did look really sharp in the first, uh, even in the first drop of the puck, they looked really good. They did. And, but I want to ask you about the, the banner raising thing first, because I was thinking about you during that, because they showed Corey Perry, who obviously lost to the Stanley Cup champion in Tampa Bay, and now he's on their team. So just kind of like laughing at him a little bit. But even for the rest of the guys, like the rookies this year, the guys they added this offseason, like, I, you just said you were on uh, Chicago when they raised the cup and you were on the ice for that. Like, what do you what do you do? Do you take any do you associate yourself with that in any way as your member of a team now? Is it just is it just a, a waste of your time? Like what goes through your head while they're celebrating last year's accomplishments? Well, there's tinge of jealousy. I, I can't imagine what Corey Perry's thinking because he was, you know, in a battle with them not three months prior. But just to be in that situation, I got to go to the White House. I got to meet Barack Obama and enjoy all the hoopla that goes along with the Stanley Cup championship, all the, all this and that it's, it's like that. dangling a carrot in front of you. It, it's, it pumps you up. It's like, gosh, I want this, you know, that this looks so much fun. The cup was always around my first year in Chicago. Everybody was partying still. Everybody was enjoying it. It was their first cup. So like it did that, that shine didn't go away that whole first year. And I think it affected our team. Everybody was still patting each other on the back for what happened the year before, but it it does fire you up for a guy who wasn't on that team. It's like, golly, look at how fun, look at how great this looks. Everybody's so happy. Like, it's amazing. Look, look, there's a Stanley cup right there. You you don't get to, you know, obviously hold the cup or do anything fun with it, but it definitely does, you know, dangle that carrot in front of your nose. Like there it is. It's attainable. It's right there. Let's go get it. So 
you know, it's it's a little bittersweet, especially for Corey Perry. Oof, he's won it, thankfully. But man, oh man, imagine being a <laughs> well when Marion Hosa went to three straight cups and lost in games like game seven, the first two of them. Like he he experienced that two times in a row where he was just like bouncing back and forth from the cup winner, and finally he got it his third time. But yeah, it's uh, it definitely it definitely gets you going if you didn't win it the year before. You really want to, and you don't want to disappoint the guys who would won it. So there's a lot of incentive when you see that banner being raised, but going back to the lightning, how much can you take away from that game for the lightning? Anything? Do you take more away from Pittsburgh? How good they looked with other top three guys? Yeah, I do. I mean, it's, it's tough for the lightning. It's off two straight championships. You just raised the banner. Like how excited can you really get for game one? When you, like you said, you know, they're going to be there in the playoffs in the end. Like maybe you just don't, and maybe there's a little bit of fatigue too. They had the shortest off season of any team. So um, I, I did watch this game. I think Pittsburgh actually looked really good, which was surprising given the, the talent that we said that wasn't on the ice for them. And Jeff Carter, man, I tell you what, like he, we talked about him like playing a first line center role with the other two Crosby and Malkin being injured. He looked really good. You could tell how important he was to that offense centering that first line with Russ and uh, Danton Heinen. Um, yeah, he looked good. Like he, he forced that turnover away from Vasilevsky that led to the first goal with Heinen and all night long, he was just kind of making the smart plays. You could tell he had like, he was just a, a professional out there with the, just the little stuff he was doing and watching him talk to the younger guys on the team. So I, I can imagine that, um, Mike Sullivan's just super thrilled to have him on, in the lineup there. Um, and Pittsburgh overall looked really good. Who, who was that last person? Pittsburgh overall. Oh, Pittsburgh. Really Sorry, I thought you said a player. Yeah, no, they looked really good. And if if they can continue this pace of play, continue this, they'll they'll be a good team. They're they're vying, like we've said in previous episodes, they're vying for that fourth spot in the playoffs. I think it's going to come down to them and Washington. It's going to be a dogfight. But uh, gosh, based on first night's kind of first impressions, Pittsburgh looked really good. You know, Jeff Carden's been doing it for over fifteen years. The guy has not lost a step. I don't know what he does, how he prepares for this season, but he just consistently produces every team he's been on, every situation. You put him on the third line, put him on the first line, whether it's Philadelphia, whether it's L.A., whether it's Pittsburgh, he scores goals. He, he's a gamer. He's an absolute gamer. He, he's not playing with high-end guys. Russ looked really good. Like He, he, he gets around the ice really, really quick. But it, it's not exactly a who's who the rest of the lineup. Like They got Kapanen and Rodriguez and Zucker for their second line. They should have been blown out of the water. I'm not going to look too much into this game. The first week of the season, the first week and a half, the guys are still trying to feel things out. Once we get a month in, that's when we, that's when we know if this is a, a legit contender, if they're going to compete or if it was just, you know, they were all jacked up. They saw the Stanley cup it was very exciting. They caught Tampa on the bad night and they just took advantage of it. So Tristan Yari looked good. Latang looked really good. Brian Boyle, friend of the show got on the board. He signed with the team that week. He goes out and scores. That, day. that, that morning. Day. Was he that yep. morning? Good yep. for him. He's he's on the board. That's nice to see. Big centerman. He, he's just guys like that who you can plug in on the fourth line. You can just slot him in on the first penalty kill unit. You know you can put him in the defensive zone faceoff. He's super responsible. He they're invaluable. They I don't know why he doesn't sign July first every single year. Like he you play him ten minutes. You give him four of those minutes on the PK. You start him off in the D zone. He wins every draw in the D zone. If he doesn't, he's going out and blocking it with every body, any part of his body. Like he's just such a good player overall. And then he chips in five to 10 goals a season. He's the ideal fourth line sentiment, the prototype. And he's big. Doesn't does cannot fight for the life of him. Like even when he was on the show, he's like, I don't know how to fight. I'm like Boyle, like you're six, seven. You gotta, you gotta figure out how to throw a punch every once in a while. But I don't know. Good for Pittsburgh. I think it's a good start for them. Tampa Bay will figure it out. It's like, 
It's the first game. I know people like to jump to conclusions, but it's it's a very good start for Pittsburgh. Tampa will figure it out. No, let's go to the second game. Vegas, the old, you know, Vegas has been in the league 100 years. It's it's the new Seattle Kraken. They're the new expansion team. How are they going to look? Did you see the intro Vegas had on the ice with all the graphics and stuff? Did you catch that? Some of it. I didn't actually stay up for this game. I caught the highlights after, but the intro looked pretty cool. Amazing. I don't know how they do that. It is. The, I don't know why every team doesn't do this. Does Vegas have like they have the corner market market cornered with graphics and stuff before the games? It is so incredibly cool how they do this. And I know it's not that you know difficult. You just project something down on the ice, but to have the guy and the octopus and this whole thing, it really does. It makes it an experience. It, it is really really cool. I think every NHL team should adopt this and just make it part of the part of the NHL game. You know, I, I know some teams won't do it because they like very traditional. We're going to just sing the national anthem and this and that. I usually am that way as well, but this is so cool. I think it brings kids to the game. I think it brings, you know, casual fans to the game. They're like, oh, we're going to go. We're going to get this great experience right off the bat. And they're going to have fun stuff going on during the game. If, if the game isn't that interesting, we have stuff to look at. Vegas, they, they know what they're doing. They have turned the game of just hockey into an entertaining ex- entertainment experience. It's not just a game. They're having stuff in the in the concourse. They're having stuff before the game. They're having stuff during the game. They're having stuff all over. Like there's there's something that catches your eye always. It isn't just the game, and that's what you need. I think nowadays it, you can't just let the game itself sell it. You got to have other stuff going on for the kids, for the casual fan, for the people just who want to. Ooh, something's exciting. Shiny lights. Like let's go check it out. So I just. For the whole show aspect, I thought that was fantastic. I love that. I really, really did. And then the puck dropped. Vegas. They looked strong. The first period and a half, they looked really, really, really good. And then Seattle woke up. They got their legs. Maybe the nerves went away. They shook off the rust a little bit. And they slowly, methodically started coming back into the game. And they made it a pretty good game. It was an entertaining game. Vegas wins it in in the end. But... What do you grade Seattle for their first ever game as a franchise? Uh, I'll give them like a B. I mean, they lost, obviously, but was it four to three, the final score? Four to three, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, you can't really judge too much. I think they did really well. They, they ran into a juggernaut in the first game and held their own in the end. Even if they got outplayed, the final score kind of looked pretty good. So, yeah, I'll give them a B. Ryan Donato scored that first goal of the franchise, which is pretty cool. Um. Yeah, I, I don't really have much more to take away than that. No, they played well. I think they played a typical Haskell game. They, they tried to play defensively. You can't run and gut with Vegas. Vegas played really, really well. And if they play this way throughout the season, they will make the Stanley Cup. Or not the Stanley Cup, the, the playoffs. Excuse me, I misspoke. <laughs> the Stanley Cup playoffs. They, they played pretty good. You know, Grubauer, he, he, I bet you he wishes he would have one at least one of those goals back. He, he didn't play too super sharp, but... You know, what do you expect? It's a very, you know, pressure situation. Everybody's watching you. You're on primetime, first game, ESPN. Everybody's all about the Seattle Kraken. And, you know, he maybe the nerves got the better of him a little bit. But all in all, I think Seattle played well. Jared McCann looked good. Giordano, you know, he's getting a little long in the tooth. He didn't look that great, but, you know, he, he played okay. I think they'll, I think they'll, they'll hold up well this season because they're in the Pacific Division. They'll make the playoffs most likely. But Vegas, they look good. They looked a little disinterested in the third, but they looked really strong. Do you think we have any listeners that are Kraken fans? Of course. 
we're huge on the west coast absolutely huge the pacific northwest is like our but major seriously yeah but like the franchise has been around for like two weeks you know what i mean it's like i don't know i'd be curious i'd be i'd be curious to know i would say no because how many kraken fans are there just the people that live in seattle really yeah like I guess. like it's going to take a while for them to develop a fan base it's not like you can just become a franchise yeah we have millions of fans they probably have ten thousand fans that's it maybe fifteen thousand but the thing they'd have going for them is that's a pretty hockey centric area the pacific northwest you know they have a lot of junior teams out there vegas was a whole new animal and I, i thought vegas I assumed it would be more visiting fans going there and watching the game, but they've, they've garnered a pretty good, you know, stronghold in Vegas where they've really rallied around the people who work at the casinos work in the area. They have a lot of local fans who have just shown up and now they're Vegas golden Knights fans. And obviously it helps when you're successful, you know, when you can go to the Stanley cup final, when you can go to the Western conference final, when you can have all this success in your first two, three, four years, that helps everything grow. If you come out and you lay an egg the first five years, no one's going to watch you. Atlanta Thrasers, a couple other teams that I can't think of right now, but you need to have success for fans to kind of come, get to know the team, and then you're winning and it's more exciting. People want to be around that and it just, you know, it snowballs from there. But I don't know, good good first night for the NHL. I think, um, did you see the, the Charles Barkley? I don't know how many of our listeners get the TNT stuff, the Charles Barkley, the ESPN Plus side of it. The, do, do you like this theory involving Charles Barkley? They're really trying to go out of their way to just get new fans to watch the game. And I don't know. Did you see that with Gretzky and everything? I do. I mean, it's, it's entertainment. It's funny. Yeah. My first question was like, wait, is that Charles Barkley? Like, why is he? Um, but, you you know, I thought this quote from um, Batman. Did you catch what he said about ESPN? No. He said something along the lines of, um, he goes, I say this tongue in cheek, but I said, if ESPN does as good job promoting us as they did, like blocking us when they didn't have our rights, then we're going to, we're going to be in for a really good thing together. And you can kind of see just that, that level of professionalism, the creativity and the presentation, the, the pregame show and the, the analysts and stuff in between intermissions. Like it was all just, it was all top notch. I think Barkley was, was a lot of fun to watch and he was a good part of it. Well, that's why it's important for our listeners and for everybody to go to ESPN plus you got to get ESPN plus right now. It, it is the greatest thing since sliced brand. Go to ESPN plus.com forward slash NHL forward slash gloves. You're going to get access to all kinds of 75 weekly games. You get thousands of out of market games. Tim has been using it. I've been using it. It makes it so convenient. Every single night you can pull it up. Bing, bing, bing. Which games are we going to watch? You can just have them on in the background. You can put it up. You can have one on your tablet, one on your TV. You can watch multiple games. It's a beautiful thing they've done. You got the whole 30 for 30 library and it's really, really cheap. It's not a crazy amount of money. It's not going to, you know, put you in the poor house is six ninety nine a month. You can get a whole year for like 58 bucks. Do it. Do us a favor. Use our promo code. Do ESPN plus.com forward slash NHL forward slash gloves. Not only do you get the NHL, you get all their other stuff, the USC, you get um, all their big fights that they have. You get their 30 for 30, like I said, and all kinds of other stuff ESPN does that nobody else does. The discovery stuff they have, you get a Hulu thing. If you get, you can upcharge an extra couple bucks, you get access to all the Hulu stuff. So check it out. ESPN plus.com forward slash NHL forward slash gloves. It helps us out a ton. And it helps you guys out because you get access to all kinds of games from all kinds of different markets that you wouldn't usually get just by watching uh, your normal, wherever you can watch your games from. So yeah, ESPNplus.com. Go for it. Right, Tim? Yeah, I, I got to tell you, I had it on, um, I hooked it up to my Xbox now. So there's like an ESPN app. You can just connect it there. So now I can just easily stream stuff every single night. And it's been on the last two nights in my apartment. 
that I can imagine that's going to be pretty much on nightly for me, whether I'm sitting down watching the game or whether it's just on in the background, ESPN plus is going to get a ton of use at my place. Heck yeah. Mine too. Even though I don't have a TV, I can use it on all my iPads. I have so many iPads. It's insane. iPad factory, my house. All right. I took some, uh, I took some heat, Tim, when we did our predictions, I made some bold predictions as you know, we're trying to do. And uh, one of them's not looking so hot. So the Washington Capitals, they, they started their season last night. They played the New York Rangers. They were trying to go for the big rivalry game the year prior. Panarin gets dusted by Tom Wilson. There's going to be some revenge, this and that. They signed Ryan Reeves. You know, all for naught, Reeves gets injured. The game played. Nothing happened. No, no animosity, no fire, nothing. It was like it was kind of a little disappointing and we'll, we'll get to Ovechkin in a second, but no, no pushback at all from the Rangers. Washington was far more physical team. This game, Washington took the play to the Rangers, the whole entire game. It was like the, the ice was tilted. The Rangers looked disinterested. I know they were in Washington, so they were all fired up, but that being said, boy, oh boy, did Washington play really, really well. Their first game. They, I think the final score was what? Four, one, five, one. I think it was four, one. But it, it it could have been a lot more. I think, gosh, the Rangers. I don't know what was going on with them, but getting to Ovechkin. So I predicted he would score 30 goals or less. Um, I still stand by that prediction. Uh, you know, I, I don't think he had a fantastic game. The Rangers played so sloppy defensively. It, it, it was not a well well-played game by the Rangers, to say the least. Their goaltender, Greg Orov, played okay. You know, there was... The second goal for Ovechkin was terrible. It was just a dump, and he picks it up off the boards, and he beats – who was the guy? Miller, some rookie defenseman. He just beats him wide and goes in for a haphazard goal. His second goal was a rebound goal off of Anthony Mantha's chin. So it's not like he was scoring outrageously skillful goals. There was a couple – one good bounce, then one good bounce off a of face. So good for Ovi. Uh, he's the best goal scorer in our generation, much like the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm not going to jump to conclusions. I'm not going to get too far ahead of ourselves. He's not going to score 164 goals this year. He's not going to average two goals a game. He will get 30 goals or less. I still stand by this. Um, It was a great start for him. It it gives him a good head start. But he he did get four points in one game. It was a pretty good start for Ovi. He looks good. But as a 36-year-old, you expect them to wear down a little faster than other guys. So we'll see where it happens. If he plays the Rangers every game, he's going to, he's going to score 70 goals because they didn't even touch him. They didn't put a body on him. No one challenged him. He, he got the puck and away he went. Oh, she looked really good. Oh, she was back to, you know, being a pest in front of the net contributing. He was, he was strong on the puck, picks up a rebound goal on the power play scores. The Capitals looked really good. The Rangers looked really, really slow, really sluggish Fox. He had a glorious chance in the first shift should have buried kind of pumped faked Ovechkin Nice save by Vatacek. Vatacek, he played really good. The Washington Capitals. So, yeah. yeah, Did you have any thoughts on this game? Other than I just, my prediction came up just looking like a dunghill after game one. I had to turn my phone off last night because the notifications were going off just constantly. You must have gotten 50 messages from angry Cats fans, the same ones who were mad at you last week when you made the predictions. And now they're ready to, to prove you wrong. Now they're ready to say that you got this one completely wrong after one night. Um, so I would say to both of you, just like, let's not, let's not, I don't know, jump to conclusions. I do agree with your take. Like I said last week that I think the, the Capitals will, will underwhelm this year, but Ovi's still going to score his goals and get his points. I don't think he's ever scored less than 30 goals in a full season. And he shows no signs of slowing down now, even if you want to call him garbage, you know, garbage, ugly goals. 
he found the net back of the net twice last night and he's going to keep doing it as long as he's in the NHL. So I don't know. I, I, I can, I disagree there. I do think I, like you said, the, the people are ready to call the Capitals a, a, a playoff team again. And I just don't see that happening. Well, after night one, it looks like it's going to be Pittsburgh, Washington one, two, <laughs> they're going to take this division. No one's going to be able to catch them. Talk to me in a month. Ovechkin will have six goals. And both of these teams will just be in the bottom of that division. So then, then we'll have then we'll have to message every one of those fans that is just you know living on cloud nine right now. You know, let's just play the waiting game. We'll see how it goes, and then we'll, we'll re- revisit this. We'll put a pin in it for now, and we'll revisit it. What is it? October fourteenth, right now. Let's check back in November, first week in November. We'll see where Ovechkin's at. That's all I'm going to say. He will. I'm not going to say anymore. I'm not going to say anymore. Okay. So there was a couple other games that debuted and, you know, not jumping too far ahead, not, you know, getting too excited. The Colorado Avalanche played the Chicago Blackhawks. Boy, oh boy, did the Avalanche look really good. I watched this game. They looked every bit of a Stanley Cup contender. They looked crisp. They looked like they had a chip on their shoulder. They looked really, really good. And they were playing a Chicago Blackhawks team that loaded up this offseason. They kind of regrouped. They brought in Marc-Andre Fleury. He's going to be the guy in the net to kind of solidify their net. They brought in Tyler Johnson from Tampa Bay. He was centering their first line with Debrinket and Kane, so it's not like they're going to throw him on the fourth line. Jonathan Taves was back. They got, they got, they got line. They have, you know, a revamped defense with Seth Jones. They brought in Jake McCabe. So this was a new look Chicago Blackhawks team. Everybody has high expectations for them in Chicago. It didn't go well the first game. Didn't go well for their high-end acquisition, Seth Jones. But we'll touch on him in a second. The Colorado Avalanche, without their best player, Nathan McKinnon, who's out with COVID. Does he have COVID? I don't know what's going on with him. I think COVID-related illness. I'm not sure why he was out. He was in contact with somebody. I don't know how the rules work, but he didn't play. Even without him, they completely dominated this game from start to finish. In my opinion, the only way Chicago could have won, we need to get Kirby Doc, a breakaway specialist. The guy had two breakaways, put both shots right, right in uh, Kemper's pads. Just, just terrible, terrible effort by Kirby Doc. Friends of the show. Love the kid. You know, he, he was a guest on the show. He's probably my best friend, but um, he can't be good at everything. He, he, out of all the Blackhawks, he stood out the most. He, he was a big net front presence. He was a factor on both of Chicago's goals. He looked really, really strong. But um, other than that, Chicago didn't look too great. Colorado looked like a man's team playing against a bunch of boys. They really did outmuscle um, Chicago in every aspect of the game, you know, if there was a 50-50 puck, Colorado was coming out. They were, they were taking a Kale McCarr looked fast. He ripped one off the bar early in the third period, just, ha- just casually took it coast to coast and ripped one off the bar. Colorado looked dangerous. I don't know. Do you want to talk about Seth Jones? What do you, what do you think about this game, Tim? I didn't catch the whole game. I did see some of Seth Jones. He didn't look great. And I read the report this morning that just said he didn't look good really at all. He got exposed a couple of times. He was a step behind and they owe him a lot of money. He, they're going to owe him $77 million and that contract doesn't even kick in until next season. So this is, I don't know if he's not the player that, that they're hoping he's going to be, this is going to be an albatross that's going to hamper, you know, handcuff this team for, for years. But again, it's one game. It's a great team. It's arguably the best team in the NHL they played last night, even without Nathan McKinnon. Try not to read too much into that. I want them to be good. I told you, I I like the Blackhawks to kind of be a good team that surprises people this year. My bold prediction was that they go to the Stanley Cup against uh, the Islanders. So 
that's probably not likely to happen, but I do hope that they turn it around. I do hope. And I think they will. I mean, they, they have such good talent on this team. And with Flurry between the pipes, like you, you know, they're going to win some games. It's just a matter of, can they put it together? And what does their defense look like? Because that's sort of the big question mark for them. Even without Seth Jones, I don't think they have a strong defense. So, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, this would be a team to watch. I hope they win some games and I hope that, you know, what we saw last night is indicative of who they are as a team. Yeah, here's the thing that worries me. We, we can say don't look into much, but don't, don't read too much into this. It's just the first game. The thing with Seth Jones was it was positional play. It was where his stick is, where he should be, him being you know, on somebody's hip when he should be. The, the first goal for Colorado, Landeskog drives the puck deep into the zone, and he, and he curls up. You know he's going to curl up. If you're Seth Jones, you're a world-class defenseman. You're arguably one of the top five or six defensemen in the NHL you have to know that that play is going to happen. And your two, your two things you should do is you have to be on his hip and you have to have a stick on stick because you know when he curls up, he's going to be looking towards the middle, which is exactly what he did. And he put a pass right across. Or you have to drive Landis Cog right into the boards. You don't let him curl up. Seth Jones, for whatever reason, gives him two or three feet and he just mirrors him and his stick's on the wrong side. So Gabe Landeskog, when he drives his zone and stops up and starts going back up, he has all the time in the world to find the third and fourth guy coming into the zone. And if you're a defenseman in the NHL and you're Seth Jones, who should be a step ahead of all the other defensemen, you're Seth Jones, for Pete's sake. You have to A, anticipate that, and B, shut it down. Like that's, that's hockey 101. You're taught that the second you step on the ice. That, that's what forwards do. If, if they can't drive the zone and you, you pinch them off, they're going to step up and they're going to try to get the second wave. You have to shut that down. And if you can't shut it down with your body, you shut it down with your stick. You have to get your stick there. You're Seth Jones. You're six foot five. You, you have a longer reach than Gabe Landeskog, who's six foot two, I believe. So that was a mistake, number one. Another one, there, it was an interesting sequence where Colorado literally had three or four just slap shots from the slot. And it was Seth Jones was just turning like a turnstile. One shot, he would turn it, look at Mark Andre Fleury, where's the puck? Another shot, where's the puck? Three shots. You don't look for the puck, Seth Jones. You find a body. That's another hockey 101. If you're looking down for a puck, you've already lost. When a shot comes, you don't try to find the rebound. You find the man. If you're looking on the ice, the forwards find the puck. They find the rebound. Your job as a defenseman is to clear a man. You don't care where the puck goes. You have a guy there. You get him, and you clear him away from the zone. If you're searching for the puck, it's a 50-50 opportunity. The puck's going to bounce anywhere. So if you're looking left and the puck drops right between your legs, guess what? You're not going to get that puck. And that happens so often or not. That's why you're taught to take the man, not look for the puck, never look for the puck. And it happened to him three times in a row in a matter of like six seconds. None of the pucks went in, thankfully. But it just shows you his mindset of playing defense, and it's not good. The instincts aren't there to initially like – you can't just all of a sudden – turn that on and be like, okay, next game, I'm going to take the man. No, when there's a shot, he instinctively looks down for the rebound. He wants to just go to offense right away. It's like, no, it's, it's not a good first impression for Seth Jones. It didn't look good. He, hopefully he can turn it around. Him and Calvin DeHaan did not look that great. Jake McCabe, Connor Murphy, I think they're going to be their shutdown pairing. They looked okay. Murph chipped in with the goal. Jake McCabe had, you know, a couple good physical plays, but I'm a little worried if I'm, if I'm a Chicago Blackhawks coach and I'm a Chicago Blackhawks fan short term initially, because they didn't look that strong and long term, because like you said, he signed on for a lot of years and that's a big number next to those years. So hopefully they can write the ship. They have a good forward group. Kublik had an absolute bomb from the point bar down. That was a pretty, pretty goal, but 
I don't know if first impressions mean anything. It's not a good first impression for Seth Jones, just on the coaches and the fans and everything. He, he needs to be better. He did not look interested. He was not physical. He did not play offensively at all. It was, it was a tough look for Seth Jones, you know, for a Chicago Blackhawks fan. Hey, hey, first impression. It's just, there's a lot of hockey to go. I was watching something, and I believe it was the NHL pregame show on ESPN with uh, Wyshynski, your, your old pal there. But he asked him um, who would be the first coach fired this season, and he said Jeremy Colleton because of the offseason the Blackhawks had and the expectation, the pressure there. If they don't perform, he's going to get the yank pretty quickly. So I think they need to start winning a couple of games to make sure his job's not on the line. Well, yeah, and then you look at the coaches on the hot seat, there's there's a handful. I think Colorado Bedard's on the hot seat. Colleton's on the hot seat. It, it's the teams with expectations, right? So if you look at the teams with expectations, a lot of them are really good teams. Colorado is a great team. Chicago, there's a lot of unknowns still. We don't know how these guys are going to play. We don't know how Jonathan Taves is going to come back. So there's a lot of just question marks surrounding Chicago. And, you know, if you're a coach, you can only do so much. I think Colleton's a pretty good coach. Chicago lays an egg the first couple of weeks. Yeah, he'll be gone. I think that's a, it's a pretty logical thing to do. But if they come out and they win the next five, I think he stays the whole season. So that's that's a pretty safe bet for Wachinski to say. Ooh, I, I'm not a big fan of Puck Daddy, but whatever. It, it's the obvious answer, and anybody can say that. Oh, you know, you know who's going to be in the hot seat is Barry Trotz if the Islanders lose the first 15. Look out, he might get fired. It's like obviously he's going to get fired. But Chicago, if you look at the teams who have expectations. They might be the weakest of all those teams, and there's a lot of unknowns around them. You can say the same for Dave Tippett and Edmonton. Well, we'll see if Edmonton doesn't pan out. It's like it's easy to say Edmonton might not pan out because there's a lot of what ifs in Edmonton. They didn't really add a lot of players. There's a lot of expectations because they have the two best players in the NHL. So there's a huge downside for Tippett. There's not a lot of upside for Tips. Like he has to really coach perfectly to keep his job. And even then, they can still falter. They're luckily they play in that division where they're going to get a lot of cupcake games. But it's just like Tips is on the hot seat. So I know that. Yes, yes, Wachinski, you're right. If Colorado or Chicago does falter, he's going to be gone. He'll be the first coach fired, and it did look good after night one. Flurry looked good. Mark Andre, you know, every goal that beat him was high. Well, not everyone, but a lot of them. They're glove high, and he usually has the best glove in the league. So keep an eye on that. That's a very interesting fact. All right, what else we got, Tim? Couple of the games I want to touch on. So uh, um, let's talk about Winnipeg and Anaheim. And this is a, this is a case of arguably a top team in that division playing arguably the worst team in that division. Anaheim surprised them one four to one. Now again, like th- like you said, like this is it's the first game, the first week, even it's all about like maybe who has the best camp, which players are gelling, who's having a good night. Like there's a million factors that go into it. But Connor Hellebuck letting in four goals against Anaheim is not like a super reassuring thing to me. I still expect him to be there at the end. The cool thing from this game um, was that Mason McTavish, who's one of the, I think one of two 18 year olds in the league right now on his first goal, he scored his first goal in his first game on his first shot, which is pretty cool. Um, Good for him. And I don't know. Did you watch any of that game? I did not catch that game. I don't think Winnipeg's going to be that good. They'll be okay. I I think they're, they're not going to be a cup contender. They're not going to be, anything to you know be worried about in the playoffs I, I i don't think they just i really don't think they're gonna be that good they have a decent team they just don't scare me like they did in years past they're forwards much like washington they're just older you know blake wheeler stasny kyle connor nick ehlers they're just they're older pierre luc dubois did not look good last year when they acquired him from columbus so i 
they don't scare me. It's, it's exciting to see Anaheim's young guys producing. That's pretty cool for a kid to get his first goal and his first shot in his first game and he had his first haircut the night before. Like, it's really exciting for him. But this, you know, I, I think it's, it shows better for Anaheim. I don't think Winnipeg's going to be that great. Yeah, you could be right. You could be right. I know I'm right. I know I'm right. But no, I, I didn't catch much of this game. There's so much hockey to watch on my ESPN Plus app, Tim. I can't be expected to watch every single game. It is exciting. But yes, I think... Winnipeg will be a, a competitive team. Hellebuck, don't look too much into the first week. That's all I'm saying. Shifley wasn't able to play. He still had one more game from his suspension in the playoffs last year where he just buried oh, Jake Evans. That was the should not have been suspended. Suspension. That was a bad suspension. I still stand by that. What, what do you want him to do? Not try to let this kid score in the empty net in the playoffs? It's a bad – don't even get me started. Don't even – Get me started. And the Habs, they played. They uh, played Toronto. Toronto beat them two to one. Willie Nylander scored. Um, big ESPN cover story guy, Austin Matthews, was out. So, did you catch any of that game? I caught it. What'd you think? What'd you think, Tim? Tell me, tell me, tell me. I did watch it. Um, Toronto looked good. I mean, no surprises. They're, they're, they're a top team in the league, but they did look good. They looked a lot better than Montreal. I'll tell you, like, I, I think Montreal is already missing Carey Price and, and Shea Weber. I think Jake Allen probably would have wanted at least one of those goals back. I think Shea Weber, like the way that Toronto's forwards are just buzzing around, they didn't really have a match for it. And then on the power play, at one point they had a a minute and like 45 seconds. Montreal did have a five-on-three power play. I counted one shot on that, and it was Petrie from the point. So they just they just looked sloppy. They looked disorganized. I mean, Cole Caulfield literally tripped over himself when trying to score. And like not an empty net, but he had a rebound. He probably could have buried, and and he fell down. Um, they just didn't they just didn't look great. And again, they had arguably the, the shortest off season. Um, but it just makes you wonder that was it was last year just one of those years where everything just sort of fell into place perfectly for them. And like Dallas, they're going to come back to earth. They're not going to be a playoff team again this year. What do you think? They lost two to one. It's not like they got blown out. Jake Allen let up yeah. two goals. Yeah. You're yeah. Talking but it, like they just got smoked. It was if a two to one game. the games though. Yeah. Yeah. But st- then why are you dumping on Jake Allen? Because I think he would. I forget which one it was. The second goal, I think, was definitely something that he should have stopped. The carry price absolutely would have. Listen, they're missing Mike, Even the, Mike Hoffman. Willie Nylander missing- scoring an untouched goal from the side on a rush, on like a one-on-two. Yeah. You got to stop that buck. You got to stop that. I don't think Jake Allen's the answer, but I, I don't think you can throw all the blame on him. They're, miss- they're missing Hoffman, Biron. Weber's gone for the year. Obviously, Price is out. Cedric Paquette is out. They're missing some bodies. I don't want to jump to conclusions here. I still think they're a really good team. I don't think Weber helps anything by the buzzing forwards in Toronto. If, if anything, he makes them worse. How do you stop a buzzing forward? Just putting a big you know, statue in the middle of the play right there. Like he's not going to do anything to stop those guys from ripping around the ice. So, and he's not going to help the power play any much. Like he, it, I didn't think it was that bad of a game. I don't think both teams really looked that exciting. They were missing some pieces. It was nice seeing Duran get on the board. You know, he's back. He, he said his head is cleared. It's healthy, which is exciting. You know, th- th- he's a rookie, Caulfield. What do you, well, it's going to take him some time. He, he jumped into a situation in the playoffs where he's just probably running on emotions. He was very excited. The fans were behind him. I'm not worried yet. I think Montreal will figure it out. Toronto's got a great team. I I predict them to win some rounds in the playoffs. They're going to do their damage. This this was a, it was an exciting game. I, I think the NHL did the right thing. They they paired up some teams in the first day, first couple of days in the NHL to have some rivalries, get some interest going in the season. They did a good job here. This will be a matchup we'll see probably in the playoffs. Probably will, these teams will play each other 
close games throughout the year, but uh, you know, I, I don't know. Jake Allen looked okay. That one goal. Yeah. But you know, what are you going to do? Anything else, Tim? There was a bunch of games going on. A couple of first goals for Byron McTavish. Um, Pollock signed eight years, 50 million bucks. Do you think that's a little too much for a guy who only put up like 20 points last year? Uh, no. 17 points. No. He got two goals, 15 to six last year, and they're giving him 6.25 a year for eight years. So he's not exactly leading the rush type of a defenseman. You think that's a lot of money for a guy who doesn't put up many points in today's NHL game? Uh, I mean, it's a lot of money, but I think he's worth it. I don't think you need him to be a, a big point producer. I think you'd need him to be that two-way player, and he pairs so well with Pellick, who's probably the best shutdown defenseman in the league. So, no, I mean, if he had signed for like that eight or nine, like some of these other guys are signing for, then, yeah, he'd be overpaid. But for six and a quarter, I think that's a good contract for both sides. I like it as well. I think it's a good deal. I think it's putting value on a different part of hockey that no one really values, and that's playing playing defense. You can put him out there versus every other team's top line, and he's going to do a good job of shutting them down, shutting them down, especially in that division. He's going to be seeing Ovechkin. He's going to be seeing Panarin. He's going to be seeing um, Crosby. He's going to be seeing all these top-end guys. And you can pretty much plug and play those two guys, and you can eliminate the other team's top line for the most part. So good signing. Lock that guy up. There's not a lot of guys out there who can just – go out and know their role and do it. He's not going to try to join the rush every single time. He's not going to try to do anything that he's not comfortable in doing. He enjoys eating pucks and shutting other players down. It's not a sexy job, but that's what he likes to do. And now they're paying him good money to do it. So I enjoy that signing. What else we got, Tim? Another signing, Brady Kachuk. What did you think of the friend of the show? Just skating down the road, signed a big deal, a big, big deal. Seven years, 8.214 8.214 year for 57 and a half million bucks. What are your thoughts of this deal? This was the last domino to fall for the RFAs. This surprises me because I'm surprised he signed for a term that long at in the $8 million range. When you know the cap's going to go up, I mean, seven years, like guys of his caliber are going to be making like 10 or 12 by the end of that contract. So I'm surprised that it, it's gone up that much or th- that he signed for, for $8 million when you, for that term. I know so yeah, he's going to, I don't want to cut you off. It, it was interesting what you said, a guy of this caliber. What do you mean by that? What's his caliber? A guy who can't impact the game the way he does. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, are you going to, are you going to point to his, his point production? Well, of course, what, well, I'm not going to point to his haircut, like impact the game with his points. Right. So more than that's that, a lot though. of money for a guy who puts up, a point every other game. Like he averages 40, 45 points a year. And that's a lot of money. 20 years old, 21, 21. Yeah. He also led the league in what hits and he shot three in shots taking. I think he was tied for first with, with fights last year. Like he's, he's impacting the game every time he steps on the ice, whether or not he's scoring points. So you, you see a guy like that gets $8.214 million. I'm surprised that, I'm surprised he didn't sign for more. Yeah. No kidding. I think he got way, way overpaid. Who would you rather have him or Tom Wilson? Him. Really? Interesting. Tom Wilson, who maybe is a little less offensively gifted, averages kind of the same amount of points, 40 to 45 points a game. Tom Wilson's bigger. He's stronger. He can move a little better, I think, on the ice. It's very interesting. When you look at his salary, Kachuk's, the players who surround them for average annual value, Giroux, Sebastian Ajo, Dreinsidel, Stamkos, Crosby, Wheeler, Voracek, all of those guys are leading their team at points. They are all-stars every single year. 
this is a, I, I think if Brady's last name is not Kachuk and his name is Tim Wurzberger, he signs for five million a year, 5.5. I think he gets that extra two or 3 million bucks because he's Brady Kachuk because he has that name because his brother's in the league because his dad is Keith Kachuk. I think that adds value to him. And, and I, I, I truly believe that because he's, listen, I love the guy. He's going to be the captain of the team. He's, he deserves anything he gets. Like, I'm glad he got this chunk of money, but when you're just looking at comparisons and you're looking at what he brings to the team and maybe he plays himself into an $8.2 million player, this is, this is a lot of money for this player. And if he continues, you know, where he's trending or he's averaging 40 to 45, even if, even if he does get to 50, 55 points a season, that's, that's still a lot of money for a player who, who puts that many points. And like we talked about in episodes prior, the player who plays this type of game, who is running themselves through the boards every single game, who is blocking shots, who's fighting, who plays a physical style of game, they don't – you can't keep that up for that long. And maybe he can keep it up for the, the seven years of this contract because it puts him at 28. But, boy, like that's a, it's a lot of dough, me. That's a lot of money for a player of his ilk. Based on like his his playing style, production, all that, who would you compare him to? Right, like what comparables from like when you were in the league, maybe from ten years ago? What what do you see any like similar similarities? Oh boy, you should have told me this before the show. I could have really dug into this. Maybe like a David Clarkson, a player yeah. like that who is who is physical, who can fight, who can you know can throw him on the power play, plays a lot of different positions. Someone like that, a Ryan Klo, Bacchus, a Bacchus. I think Bacchus had a little more offensive upside than Brady yeah. does, but Brady has that, but yeah, similar. I think Bacchus was a little bit bigger, a little bit beefier, but some closer, I think, um, a Sean Avery, if, if Avery was a little taller, maybe, yeah, I'm turning to guys who are pests who are, you know, still offensively gifted, but could still play the physical game. And Brady does that. If, if he can round out his goal scoring, if he can figure out how to bury all those offensive chances that he has, because when you look at um, goals from the grade A area, Brady, if he, you know, puts in 10, 15% of those times, he's top 10 in goals because he gets the chances. He, he's getting to the area. He just hasn't figured out a way to score those goals. So if he can figure out how to, you know, put in half of those or even a quarter of those chances, he's, he's looking really good. So, but man, that's a lot of money. And, and we said it all along, he wanted a bridge deal. He wanted something to take him to 25 years old so he can hit the UFA market and really be a valuable just commodity. The reason he took the bigger deal was because the 8.2 million bucks is a lot of money. That's, that's a lot of money for him at this stage in his career, at this stage in his development. So I think it's a good deal for both. If he continues to progress, Ottawa's paying him for the player he's going to be. They're not paying him for the player he is. So we'll see this, you know, we'll see how it shakes out, but you know, he's going to be named captain probably next week. He's going to go in. He's going to play well. He's going to be jacked up. He's, he's an excellent player. But boy, when you look at the guys who are making eight, eight to eight and a half, like we're talking who's who of, of players in the NHL. And would you take him over Sebastian Ajo? No. Would you take him over Claude Giroux? Right now, yeah. Dreinsidel? No. Crosby? No. Stamkos? No. Blake Wheeler? Maybe. Maybe, yeah. So, like, he, there, there's some big shoes to fill when you get a big contract like that. And he's going to be the eyes of the franchise now. He's the guy. It's him and um, Thomas Shabbat. Shabbat Shalom. So those are the two guys who they're going to build this team around. We'll see how it works out. They put all their eggs in these guys' baskets, and they're good guys. They're very good players. So we'll see how this pans out for Ottawa. Eugene Melnick said it. So did Pierre Dorian. 
time to wins right now. So off we go off the races. They play Toronto tonight. We'll see if he uh, suits up for the he Senators. Won't. I don't. Yeah, they said, they said he's not gonna. He'll be in the building, but he won't be playing tonight. All right, he'll be in the building. See his tweet he put out. The let's go, baby, or here we go. And here so, we go. The Joker. Yeah, from the Joker. He's so. John, fun. I got a I got a trivia question for you before you before we wrap up. No, we're wrapping up. Okay. Uh, who are the top three U.S. born coaches of all time? Winningest <sighs> U.S. coaches is Quinville a U.S. coach? I don't know, but he's not in the top three. <laughs> well, he's not a USA coach then. Um, Dan Bilsma? Nope. Is he a U.S. coach? John Cooper? Mellencamp? Nope. I don't know. I don't know coaches where they're from. These are big names, John. You know these. Peter I don't more know. Guess. All right. So Mike Babcock. Nope. Peter Laviolette is number one now. I he heard passed. he pushes pills on players. That's what Robin Lehner told me. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> passed John Tortorella last night for the winning oh, coach course. of all time. Yeah, and number three. So they have 674, 673, and then there's 350 game gap, and then there's Mike Sullivan at 322. So it's really Torch really? and Laviolette just running away with it. Yeah. Great question, Tim. Isn't that interesting? Aren't you, not, aren't you fascinated? Not one iota interest at all in that question we got to work on our questions what made you think of that bring up that trivia question i saw it on social media we have a couple at least a couple listeners going huh i didn't know that great piece of trivia tim thank you and then we have twenty thousand other listeners that just went well that was a waste of time (laughs) (laughs) maybe (laughs) maybe but uh, uh all right one more thing did you see um toronto maple leafs they're now sponsored by tiktok I didn't see that. No. Yeah. TikTok's going to be the Toronto Maple Leafs sponsor. TikTok for Toronto. They're going to be on their helmets. They're, the players, uh, they have to do a TikTok before every game. It says, I'm a TikTok Toronto Maple Leafs player. TikTok. Do you have TikTok, TikTok Tim? I don't. I don't. TikTok's a new cool it. thing. TikTok um, with Tim. That could be a segment. Tim's TikTok. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not cool enough for that, though. You just, what? what is your app that you use then if it's not TikTok? I don't use any app. I'm back on Instagram now, but that's it. Ooh, what's your Instagram name? People can follow you. Do you want to give it out or no? Yeah, this T Wurzburger. Pretty easy. No underscore? No. Not a lot of T Wurzburgers out there. So no. T Wurzburger at Instagram.com. Forward slash dropping the gloves. And TikTok Toronto. Slash we ESPN get a TikTok Plus. Account. We gotta get a is TikTok account. That's very fun. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening. Before we leave, do me a favor, go to DoorDash. Go to their app, go to their website, order some food, use our promo code. If you're in Canada, it's GlovesDD. If you're in the USA, it's GlovesDDUS. Go find your restaurant, beep, boop, boop, enter the food you want to get, enter our promo code. You get 25% off, free delivery. It's a beautiful thing. It helps us. It helps you, much like the ESPN+. Plus. We're not going to steer you wrong. DoorDash is the best outfit out there. They're going to bring the food piping hot to your door. It's going to be fantastic. Do it tonight for the game. Order some chicken wings. Order a burger. Be greasy and order a six-pack of beer. I don't care. It's just a win-win-win all around. You leave with a full belly. You don't have to get up and get dressed and brush your teeth. Who likes brushing your teeth? I know I don't. So do it. Gloves DD. If you're in the U Canada, Gloves GD US. If you're in the US of A, not USA, just US, right, Tim? That's correct. Stupid promo codes. I tell you what, like I, I would love to just get one promo code that just is for everything because we're a big time podcast now where we have ads and it's just like so many different promo codes. And that's just, you know, I'm a one percenter, Tim. This is the things I worry about at night. Isn't it silly? 
It's so must sick. be nice. Must be. It nice. is nice. But I, well, you know what else is nice? DoorDash. Do me a favor. Enter our promo code GlovesDD in Canada. GlovesDD US. Get yourself some food. Put a little Dore me in my back pocket. It's a win-win. I like money. You guys like food. Let's let's. We can both be winners, fellas. Come on, ladies. On that note, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope you're enjoying the start of the season. We're very excited to talk hockey, and we're very appreciative that you guys listen. So have a good Thursday. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow, maybe. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.